Welcome to Nameless Debate Radio, where radioactivity is contagious. You can join us in broadening our minds on the Nameless Debates Discord via the link below and even feature here yourself, if you've got what it takes. You know, there's a show I, I was watching that I, I really stimulated a lot of this sort of thinking. And, um, and actually, I thought it was quite clever because it, it started, it introduced all these ideas that people have around God without using the word. And I never um, thought it was possible until I saw the show and I went, fuck, somebody figured out the, the device. Yeah. Yeah. So, here, uh, so this is how they do it. It's a sci-fi and there's a, there's a quantum AI in the future that figures out how to put pe people back in time. And there's all these disasters that have occurred. So he's, they, this, 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 this AI, so this semi-conscious but not living being, this quantum thinker, uh, and you, you get the sense it's thinking in this other plane. Um, and it's, so it's sending people back to correct the future. And um, so it's, and the, way it, the, the way they do it is it sends uh, consciousness. It, they, they send these people's consciousness uh, who are in the future to the past, and they overwrite the people in the past. So it's almost like a murder. So they, the way they do it is they, they find people just about to die, and then they overwrite them. And then they, they train them to do something different so that they don't die, and therefore it's moral. Huh. And so therefore, there are these people who are being sent and people who are dying, and there's all this changing of the karma of people's lives, and none of it makes sense to the people who are experiencing it, but these time travelers know exactly why all of this is happening because they already know the script, and they know how they're intervening in the script, and they know who the characters actually are and why karma that looks like it's cruel or unnecessary or whatever it makes some sense in this other paradigm of meaning and suddenly you, you start to go well you know what things could actually you know this doesn't make sense to me and therefore means to me that there can't be an organizing principle operative in my life um but maybe there is i just don't know how to interpret it that's the message it continually gives and it does it quite well it's like a so it's called The Travelers. Oh, is that on Netflix? Yeah. Dude, I think I've seen that. Uh, I haven't watched it. I've seen the, I've, I've read the thing. I'm like, what about this one? Yeah, yeah. Was... yeah. It, it's low entertainment because the idea is great, but, but the execution is okay. Okay. It, it's, I see it as a great opportunity to do a lot more interesting I think you probably with. do what I do is I am always for these kind of archetype uh, relevant or can it be something that's pointing to the transcendent or yeah. like I'm looking for these themes and motifs and narrative narrative devices that I'm like, oh, cool. I like that. They, they did that in a clever way or whatever. So this is one of the come to's I had watching this show, which was a very interesting come to. I go, what if I am someone that was sent from the future into the past? And now I am in, in this uh, position to change the course of the future mm. through my acts. And it sort of makes you realize you are. You, you are in this very strange position where if you knew what they were, a few, a sequence of acts 
would change the course of the future. Mm-hmm. Then the other, the other thing, and this is where synchronicity comes in, because what I, what I found is, is that you, you can make all sorts of choices, right? And if, there, if, this, or, if this emergent organizational phenomenology doesn't have uh, a connection to the logic of the real, then whatever choice you made wouldn't actually feel any different. There wouldn't be a difference. And the only way I know this is that when you do something that does make a difference, you get this feeling like there's a ripple that just got created that seems to be expanding into the future. So mm. like I phenomenologically experience when I've made certain intellectual steps forward, this sense of a ripple. Mm-hmm. And I go, is that my imagination? Is that just me happening? In- or is it real? And the thing is, on some level, you have to imagine that it is real. Mm-hmm. And like when I watch this show, I, it 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 supports my sense that it is. And then when I actually investigate some of my experiences and my thoughts around them, I go, well, you know what? There was a way in which it was real, because um, uh, if you do articulate something correctly that does change the way the culture thinks about a certain subject, especially in philosophy. I think the future does change and one of the things you will find is that the future has changed over many crude uh you know manifestations and it's still dominated uh, the future for a long time regardless of all the problems in the work there's a one of them is voltaire i think voltaire is one of these guys i was once reading one of his books and synchronistically and like i don't understand it but i was reading voltaire and i was really getting how Voltaire had truly, and he did a lot of this this game playing that I'm talking about because uh, he he wrote the, these almost like comedic interpretations of of church ideas of Catholic ideas, right? He would he would go over them and he would he would explain in the the funniest of ways. You're laughing uh, at the contra- the terrible contradictions uh, they, they were involved in, and. Um, he he basically got a whole generation of people laughing around these uh, these theological conundrums, hmm. and and in that way he created space for a, a, a different kind of culture, uh, and people forget that. Anyways, that's what I was realizing as I was reading it, like it really, and I saw how he was using um, early Jewish philosophy to defend his views, and that was also very interesting to me. How he was using. Um, um, certain ideas in, in ancient Jewish texts to support his, some of his propositions. And, so, um, and you said it was funny to, to them at the time? Well, it was scandalous and funny. It was, okay. he was making fun of the church. He was making what? fun. He was like, he was like following their logic and making, you know, oh, making the absurdities more pronounced more, or something more pronounced and actually making, outright jokes about it like that's kind of cool because i think that's what you and i appreciate about humor in that like yeah it just it almost allows for if you know if people aren't clenching the world too tightly between their buns there's a a a release that we get as a i think as a people yes so as i'm realizing that this what happens is for some strange reason which i can't explain 
Um, the glass, uh, there's all, all the panes of glass that are used to boundary the uh, walkway, right where, I, the bu- where I'm reading the book. They all start cracking. <laughs> all those like start cracking. Yeah. This actually the cracking glass phenomenon has happened to me twice in my life that it makes no sense, but it has happened. And you go, what the fuck? Yeah. That's the kind of shit that is. Oh, I love that kind of shit. I can, I can run on that kind of thing for, di- for like a month. <laughs> yeah. Without ever needing another kind of synchronicity. There was, there was a period in my life where I was living the sort of purest life. That is, I was not allowing myself to get distracted in any way whatsoever, all philosophy and a lot of tantric sex. So it was oh, like wow. a, a perfect time. And, and part of the synchronicity <laughs> thing. Sounds like it. Part of the synchronicity thing is like part of how I learned the skill was the, uh, the alchemists all claim that sexuality is part of it, right? Mm-hmm. And so you have to ask yourself, is it part of it? And it seems like an odd claim. And at first I found it very, what's the word? Um, mm, I don't know. Is Provocative? I thought it was maybe hedonist. Ah. Like, like, so it wasn't actually f- spiritual or philosophical. It was nonsense, right? Mm. Uh, that was my first feeling around it, you know, in early 20s. Uh, and but mainly because I think I was more afraid of sex than I would admit, mm-hmm. and uh, and the states around it, because I was quite aware that there would be states of mind that I would to that were very not like the way I like my mind to work. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So I did, so it, it actually had to do dream analysis to discover that maybe I actually I as much as I was attracted to and. Um, into and wanting to create the orgasmic state that there's some part of me actually was terrified of it, huh. which was a surprise to me. But then yeah. it started, started to make a little more sense when, when I realized that to some degree I was getting, I was having more empathy for my biological experience, which is a weird and kind of strange and messy experience to have. I really like the Euclidean space I live in. I don't yeah. really like to get into that all that biology it's like oh it's weird dude that's the weirdest thing because that brought to mind uh about a year ago i did 30 days of yoga in a row and just the kind of reconnecting with my body because i mm. i've you know disconnection comes easy for me um but really kind of getting into it and connecting deeply in that fully appreciative way that you know reality is awesome it's pretty cool to have a body that can interact with it and just all these tears and emotions welled up from this wordless space of uh self empathy like i I was able Mm -hmm. to give it to myself at least it was one of the first times i experienced it actually but uh yeah (laughs) that was scary enough for me to you know do yoga a few more times after that 30-day stint and i'm thinking about doing it again this year but one of the most powerful things that i did and i actually am not capable of doing anymore it's a terrible thing to admit and i don't want to even want to admit it and i'm actually regretting (laughs) i said it out loud you gotta finish uh, it but uh but i have to say it because uh, i have not been living up to 
my knowledge of the matter, right? Mm -hmm. So what it did was, was I started realizing this sitting thing was no joke. So I started meditating and over time I started realizing the value of meditation. And more and more I realized, uh, I started understanding the, the, the Zen text uh, around motive, that mm -hmm. all motives are a problem. And the, I, have to, I had to find a way to creatively neutralize motives without having the motive of neutralizing them, which was yeah. seemed like a very difficult game to be playing, right? Yeah. Uh, you can't suppress it. And so people begin with meditation as they think it's, you have to suppress mm -hmm. uh, your psychological process. But I, I always tell them right away, all you're doing is f just learning how to persistently follow your emotional and psychological process. Yeah. As articulate as possible, just follow it and just learn to follow it no matter what it is you're thinking, what it is you're feeling. Have a part of you that's evaluating it as metaphor. Yeah, that's and, useful. Um, Good advice, actually. Yeah, so then you, you develop a sort of meta-witness to your mm -hmm. own experience. And that, I think, is part of the synchronistic, like... Manifold, that's perhaps. The key. No, yeah. yeah. There, has to be, there has to be a meta-awareness that's aware of the, the phenomenal awareness, and the two of them have to be in sync. Yeah. And when, they're both, and when they're both in, in sync, the, the magic starts to happen. And, and w one of the ways to practice this, though, is with another human being. And so the, right. this, this, the sexual uh, uh, experience is one way to do it because you're both trying to create a state of being that you're both sharing. Right. right. Yeah. And, and it's and as intimate as you can get. As intimate as you can get. So the idea is that you can experience what she's experiencing. Yeah. You can actually experience it. So at first it was an imaginative fantasy. Mm -hmm. When I was younger, I thought... Oh, wouldn't that be cool that I could actually experience somebody else's experience? I didn't think it was possible. I thought right. it, was, uh, it was a romantic fantasy. But I followed it anyways. Like that's, I went, well, do I know what's possible, what's not possible? I don't know what's possible in this case. And this is the nameless thing again. Is you, you can't project a priori closure on the matter mm -hmm. uh, as, as un, un... What's the word? As un... Uh, as improbable as it may seem, it still mm. may be, uh, may be real. It may may actually happen. And mm -hmm. uh, and uh, but can't like, we still say that it's improbable? Uh -huh. I, yeah. I can't say it anymore well, because I, I I myself cannot say it's improbable because I've had way too many experiences. And like the the thing is, if you're actually having these experiences, what's going to happen is this: you're going to have them, and you're going to go. Okay, well, I'm not changing my whole framework over that one experience. That was probably some sort of strange anomaly, but let me remain open to whether this goes on more. Maybe let me even investigate and see if I can amplify it, but I'm not going to believe that. Can't, can't you be both? Can't you be open-minded and believe something? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think I, I, I actually believe in uh, provisional determinism. You know, you, you provisionally. What, is, what would you say? Sorry, keep going. You, you, you provisionally determine the world according to everything, the best you can do. And you map it out the best that you can. But you know that it's provisional and it's probably going to change. 
and and you know that some of the values that you've already marked out may possibly actually also change so you you don't really know where it's not going to change and where it is but over time you get the feeling that certain ideas are fairly reliable and others are more vulnerable to change and that's the pro that's the progress yeah and that, that, be that, that becomes yeah that becomes a very stable foundation because you you're now rooted in probability and like there are things that are could be pro could be true but they're so improbable and they never manifest that uh you can be fairly confident that uh as you're laughing about it you're going to be right but you know <laughs> i'm still very superstitious about laughing about things even though i, I i'm a little more cocky than than he used to be. I'm so superstitious that I'm I'm gonna, you know, even through this debacle, I, I there are certain moments where I felt, do I know what's going on? Am I am I am I imagining that I, am I gonna find out that uh it's all reversed and David's right? Oh my goodness, yeah. It's <laughs> oh, really? possible. Why not? Anything's possible. Uh, yeah, of course. And I think that's what I'm saying, right? Like, can't we be confident in the things that we're pretty sure aren't the case? Maintaining open-mindedness to the possibility that they in fact are. Exactly, I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I'm aiming at. But it seems like you're like sort of like placing the position that I actually hold in the in the realm of disagreeing with that. Um, you know what I mean? Like you, it's, no. it seems as if no. I don't disagree. Maybe I've, I don't disagree. Okay. Is that if someone uh, claims to you, no. Um, uh, there is such a thing as nothing, right? What are you going to do at that point? You're going, well, my, you know, that just does not add up. In my in my experiences, that's, that won't add up, and it won't add up for you. Like, my experiences, that isn't going to add up. It's not going to work. That's a, that approach won't work. So in that case, I'm open to the idea, you know, I'm 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 still open to the nihilism idea every once in a while i take a glimpse at it and go ooh. Mm. but yeah, i try i try to be open to every idea but yeah. like we can be pretty confident that some of them aren't true and every time we apprehend them and make a like every time we apprehend them after having integrated more knowledge and we make an exactly um uh like, sorry, an interpretation that's exactly the same, that dismisses yeah. it in exactly the same way, we become more and more confident that it is, in fact, not the case. Yeah. I think that's, like... Yeah, so when it yeah. comes to telepathic we would experiences, never. Mm -hmm. it's, it's become a plethora of experiences that are undeniable. Uh, so I'll tell you the, the one story. I'll, I'll, I will give that to psi phenomena. I'm not sure about telepathy experiences. Like I too sure yeah, exactly so what it is. Okay, well, let me tell you the story that kind of shook me up. And I'm telling you, this shook me up. This mm -hmm. yep. this was not this was this actually and actually it is connected to my first experience uh adult experiences of, of synchronicity. So like there's a period where all rational, so now this begins. It begins with this woman appearing in my life, and she's a friend of my uh fiance's sister. And the synchronicity starts kicking in the moment I see her, and I don't know why. There's no explanation for it. Some odd things going on that uh, I don't know what it is. Like it feels like maybe it's a fever. <laughs> you know, I don't know what, but it feels like it's more than just what's going on in my mind. I feel like it's happening in the world, but I go, that can't be going on. 
Um, I must be imagining it, but whatever it well, is. It's at least in your body, right? Yeah, whatever it is, the idea is this girl is going to come with us to Florida. We're all going to drive to Florida, and this girl's going to be in the car with me for like 24 hours with my in-laws. And I feel like this <laughs> will be exposed by the end of the 24-hour period. Everyone will oh, know yeah. something's going on. Yeah, probably no not way. true. But you know how paranoid you get. How can you hide this from yeah, everyone? You couldn't. Like, nah, not if you're feeling it that intensely. <laughs> exactly. So I'm going. Okay, I'm not going to Florida. <laughs> that was my my decision to in order to save myself from this particular uh, dilemma because I, I I knew something was going on, but I didn't know what, and I didn't want to take any chances. So I thought I'm not going. I'm not gonna be in the car. Because until I figure out what, 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 what it is, I'm not going to expose everybody to it. Hmm. Um, so then we go skiing. Off, we go skiing. And uh, on the last night of the ski trip, I have a dream. right? And in the dream, an old woman appears to me. And she tells me that I don't know her. But she's this woman's grandmother. And she's dying right hmm. now. right? She's telling me she's dying. And her uh, last wish is that I go out with her. Her daughter, her granddaughter. Wow. She's telling me. A bit convenient, though, don't you think? <laughs> what? Yeah, well, yeah, a bit convenient. So I go, okay, well, that's a projection of my unconscious desire or whatever. Okay, that's an interesting dream, right? Yeah. That's how I think about it, because that makes sense. Maybe that's what's going on. Of course. On. That's but, like the assumption. But the thing is, when you have uh, certain weird dreams, they feel weird when you're having them. It just does not feel like a normal dream. And again, this comes back to Jung's claim that certain synchronistic phenomena, the whole aura around them is a numinous aura that you can sense. And you don't know, you've never experienced a numinous aura before, but for now you go, that was different. So that of, of the dreams I've known, I've never felt that space before. I just I, I it felt real, right? You, you know, know you go, I love the style with which you express your words, but can it be a numinous aura if you can tell that it's there? Well, the way I use numinous seems very different than the way you use numinous. What I use the way I use numinous is is some it's as though something is luminous. That is, it's giving off light, but it's not really giving off light. It's oh, that I mean, it, it represents some sort of fractal order of the universe that which seems way more complex and worked out than your own projective faculty, and that this phenomenon is happening, and, and you know some, something big is happening because it feels like something big is happening, but you don't know if it's just a subjective projection or not all you know is okay there's an aura around this that seems not surreal surre it seems surreal in this odd way it sounds like i mean float, i'm using man. i'm using yeah, the word flow. uh okay. numinous to mean what can't use it to mean um which is like as far as i know where the term comes from in philosophy well no so, many people use it many different ways so jung uses it uh a particular way and as a kid i i understood the word numinous from a very young age so it says having a strong religious or spiritual quality indicating or suggesting the presence oh, of we're, a divinity we're spelling it yeah if you look in um like debate text chat you can see that 
Jamie actually accidentally pulled that one up. I'm talking about numinous, as in Kantian, the unthinkable, incomprehensible. Yeah, I realize that. That's not the way I mean it. I, I'm meaning the Wikipedia definition. Oh, no, no, no. That is a Wikipedia definition. It's just that your, it's, your word is spelt differently. Yeah. Oh, I see. You're right. Yeah. You're no, yeah, but no, they both, no, no, I, maybe I'm not rendering it properly in speech, but they both sound the same to me. That's why I was confused. Actually, they both do. The only thing is I've only heard the other as numinous, so that was a surprise to me. That's what threw me off is I've never heard it. I've never heard the other one is numinous. The other spelling with uh, the O-U-S at the well, end. I usually say noumena, uh, as in like the opposite of phenomena. Yeah. But he did say his word was numinous. But he spelled um, but it. He, yeah, but he spelled, spelled it N-O-U-E. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Fucking words. Words are interesting still, though. Anyways. Yeah, they are. Anyway, so interesting little pieces of shit. <laughs> so I, I go back to Toronto, and uh, I find out that this girl's grandmother died that night. Whoa! That is some spooky shit, dude. Yeah, that is. That's very spooky. So. No, no, it's I, spooky with a P. Oh, with a P. I don't even know what that means. Spooky. Well, yeah. It's it's a meme about spooky. Okay. <laughs> so this this is when my framework starts to break down after I had just decided that none of this could be real, right? Like how could I have heard the thoughts? I just met this woman. There was no history. You know, I had only uh uh met her for like 10 minutes. That was it. In those 10 minutes I knew some some shit was going on that was bigger than um than I'm normally used to, but uh, I, I first, uh, you know, was su suspecting it's some sort of unconscious erotic attraction or something like that. Uh, <laughs> but but it but it it's not what it what it what it what it felt like to me. It felt like something mm -hmm. weird was happening, like some weird time time phenomena was happening. And then um, then what happened was the whole thing freaked me out, and I wanted to contain it the way David is trying to contain it. So I wanted to just disqualify, get it out over, just make sure uh, uh, I avoid her. And uh, the resolution was now I am 100% certain I need to avoid her. Hmm. I don't know why that seemed rational, but that was my conclusion. It's like, this is too, too, too weird. So uh, I'm thinking about this as I'm walking down St. George, which is uh, where the university is. And I spent a lot of time reading there and um i'm i'm thinking about this particular dilemma and uh, I, i'm trying to skip the cracks in the pavement you know i i've tried to avoid the cracks as i'm walking it's one of the things i do mm -hmm. and i ram right into her one of those strange idiosyncratic behaviors. yeah yeah, yeah. One of those strange yeah. and i walk right into her that's what <laughs> actually happened. walk right into her and i go fuck yeah and then I go, oh, you know what? You know, so at that point, I surrender and I go, now I just want to know what the fuck this is. Yeah. You know, at this point, it's not about, it, it, it. I don't know. At that point, it becomes an epistemological problem that I'm not, that I don't, it doesn't seem like running away from it is the way to go. 
for sure. So then we go to a coffee shop and I'm sitting with her and like the, the, the emotional energy is different than anything I've experienced before. Right. So it's like something different is going on here and I might as well, like I realized I just might as well start paying attention. Then I look out the window behind her and I notice something really unusual and I go, the fuck that's really unusual and i look again and i go that can't be happening and what it feels like is the clouds and the light seem to be in sync with my emotional state in a way that seems improbable man you must love my username man. right <laughs> yeah in sync <laughs> yeah i do you uh, know what's even better dude what it that in itself is an example of synchronicity because InSync mm -hmm. is my is it's my true name, but the first three letters from each one, right? So I didn't intend for that to happen. Oh, I see. That's interesting. Yeah. So my true name, in my opinion, is Insightful Inquiry. Ah, interesting. And yeah, it's just a coincidence that that happened to make InSync, and it's fucking dope. Yeah, it is. It is actually, and it it works. I think even as like a a placeholder for you see thing. when i saw in sync on the screen it had a numinous quality to me mm. like that is it it sort of bugs you on I love, other, you know it's I sort of you, you go mm -hmm. i love that <laughs> you've given me a, a new because it's weird there's this um strange correlation between the two because i think that kant got noumena is in his version wrong and it sounds like the thing that you're talking about is the right version of what he was trying to talk about that sounds right to me actually it does yeah. actually sound right to me well the and thing is kant tended to want to uh reduce you know he wanted to reduce it and uh i, I don't think he's as a good reducer as people think yeah, I mean, I would, I would agree with that. I would say he was a fantastic producer up to the point of yeah, subjectivity, yeah, exactly. and then he sucked. Yeah, he yeah. was just shit beyond subjectivity. Yeah, yeah. And actually, it and seems like the Western culture is stuck there. Like, yeah, because I would, well, I think part of it is that people see someone so gifted reach a dead end and say, "Well, that is the end." Do you know what I mean? And I think, yeah. in a big way, it had a lot to do with the fact that science in its modern form wasn't around because reductionism beyond the subject is almost second nature to an empirically minded individual. Yeah. Well, this comes back to why has it become so popular? And I think part of it is, is appeal to compassion. By the time when you establish that it's subjective, then you've also established that you have no authority to project morality. And then, therefore, people are the theory is therefore people become more free uh, of of any kind of discrimination. So that's the other aspect of the compulsive nature of nihilism is that nihilism is being sold as a, a form of compassion, and that's well, that's that's why that's why it's a, it's a not. I love what Jordan Peterson says about nihilism being an excuse to refuse to take up the responsibility of yes. existence. I think that's very accurate. Right, it, it is. It is. It is. Well, shit, you guys, I think I'm about to like actually pass out. 
on you guys and start yeah. snoring. Um, that was fun. Yeah, this is. I was actually a fucking awesome conversation. Yeah, we have to it. do it again and soon. Yeah, okay. absolutely for sure, dude. Thank you, man. Plus, I wanna, I wanna try and sweet talk that David Longfellow. Maybe I can get him to come oh. and join in. Well, I yeah. think you you could help with this because my approach not mm-hmm. not good for him, but your not approach him, yeah. your your approach may be much better. I think it'll help. I think once they get together, dude, I see yeah. a lot of possibility if if Matt and David find a way to bridge any differences. Well, it's not about bridging the differences; it's about accepting. Uh, it's all, it is like what we just said. It's accepting a paradigm of responsibility. Mm-hmm. It's a yeah. bigger paradigm than he wants it to be. Well, I think the thing is that he want, he thinks he has accepted it, and that's why he reacts so I defensively. I know. And, and I think I'm quite good at making people feel safe with taking a step outside what they would normally be willing to consider the limit of their territory. I agree. I yeah. agree. Good stuff, guys. Yeah. Hey. Okay. Lots of love. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Take care, my brother. I had a really okay. great time, guys. Yeah. I Have did a great too. night. You too. Bye. See you later.